This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. You ever wonder why it is in life some people seem like they're so successful and some people seem like they just can't pull it together? Some people are always on diets, they take care of themselves physically, they go to the gym, they're running, they're exercising, they're getting up on time, they're going to sleep, they're regulated, and some people just cannot get it straight. As somebody who sits with people who often need some guidance or help in their life, there's a certain frustration that those who are in Rabbanus or therapy can probably relate to, where you're sitting there with somebody and you're talking to them about something that you just know can help them in their life. And there's a frustration when the person is either just not getting it or they get it, but they just don't do it. And they come back week after week, and you're like, hello, didn't I, didn't I explain to you last week, don't do this behavior, don't say these words, don't do this thing. How is it that we're going down the same road over and over again, and there's just no change? And maybe you relate to this because you're in the position of giving things over, or maybe you relate to this because in your own life you find that there are certain behaviors, certain patterns of things that you do or don't do. You just can't get yourself to break out of the loop that, again, you're like, how is it that I missed this again? Or how is it that I did this again? Or how is it that I ate that again? How is it that I got angry again? How is it that I do something a little different than I did yesterday? So, I want to tell you a story. It's the summer, Bar Hashem, they're really enjoying some time off, some, I believe, well-deserved time with the family. And a week ago, I decided that I'm going to take the family horseback riding. Now, horseback riding sounds like one of those summer things that you do. And on paper and on Google, it sounds like a really good idea. So, punched into Google, horseback riding, and pulls up some location. Not checked out what the location is, who the people are. We pull up and we go over to them and we say, what do you got? You got Baruch Hashem, eight-year-old, six-year-old, three-year-old, an adult, big guy. Um, what do you have in terms of horseback riding? And the guy says, well, for the kids, for the two younger ones, we have pony rides. And for the adults, me and my eight-year-old son, um, we have horseback riding on a trail. And I'm like looking at me, and I'm looking at my eight-year-old son, who's like, he probably weighs as much as my arm. And I'm like, how did you even put the two of us in the same sentence? But fine, the thought is like starting to like cook in my brain. And I'm like, without thinking, I'm like, yeah, for sure. Uh, we'll do the two adults, the bigger ones, me and my son, we'll do the horseback riding. And uh, for, for the little ones, I guess we'll, take, we'll do the pony ride. So the guy says, great, you have to pay up front. Um, we don't do anything without being paid. I'm like, yeah, I guess that's, you know, very logical. Here you guys give the guy the money. Um, they bring out from the barn a humongous horse. We're talking a humongous horse. And I'm like, oh, we're going to do the, the adults are going to go first, right? The guy says, <laughs> this is the pony. <laughs> and I'm like, for, for the little for the little kids? So the guy says, yeah. And I was like, wow. And I'm thinking to myself, the kids are going to be really scared to get on this humongous horse. 
and the guy says, um, you'll take the kids for like a walk around for like a half hour, and then you'll come back and then we'll do the adults. And I'm like computing everything as he's talking, and I'm like, you meaning who's you? Me? Like, I, you're giving me a humongous animal to walk around the parking lot? And I'm like processing it. I'm, the only thing I'm thinking at the moment is that the reason this man wanted to be paid up front was because he realized that the moment he walks out with a five-ton horse that he gives you the reins to, I'm going to just leave because which sane person is walking around with a three-year-old on a humongous animal that's bigger than him? I, like, the only thing I know about horses is horsepower on a car. I'm, I'm thinking through the whole scenario, and my heart is like beating out of my chest. My daughter is is having like a slow meltdown at the sight of this animal, which is flaring its nostrils. I don't know why, and I'm like, okay, this is what we're doing. And my daughter's like, no, no, daddy, like, no, there's no, I'm, there's no way I'm getting on the horse. <laughs> yeah, of course, it's like a little pony. It's nothing. I'm trying to like stay calm. And I take my three-year-old, I'm like, look, even the three-year-old could do this, right? Like, I put him on the horse, he's shrieking, and I'm, like, talking out of the side of my mouth, like, just, just don't shriek, because, because it's going to scare the animal. <laughs> and I, and the guy gives me directions, you pull it, you pull it back, you, you turn it to the right, the left. The horse is not listening to a thing that I'm saying. The guy keeps screaming at me, it's not a horse, it's a pony. My kids are shrieking, the other one's walking right behind the horse's hind legs. I'm really nervous. We walked around the parking lot one time. My heart is seriously beating out of my heart, out of my chest. The only thing I'm thinking is, if this is what this man calls a pony, I have no clue what he intends to put me, but more importantly, my eight-year-old son, again, who weighs the size of my arm, on. He thinks we're adults. This is like insanity. So we walk around the parking lot one time. Horse is flaring its nostrils. I'm getting nervous. My three-year-old is like settling in. Finally, we walk around, and I turn to my daughter, I'm like, okay, it's your turn. She has a mini panic attack again. We put her on the horse, walk around the parking lot. I keep saying, I think this is over. It's already a half hour. Don't worry, kids. It's over. Don't worry. This is, isn't this fun? This is great. Great way to spend the Sunday afternoon. We're having fun. We're having a great time. Okay. We finish with the kids. Finally. Like, I'm like, finally settled. And then I'm realizing, now it's my turn. Me and my big adult eight-year-old. So the guy brings out, I, I kid you not, these horses were, they were huge. They made the first horse look like a puppy, and it was no puppy. It was bigger than I was. The guy makes me stand like, like a child on one of those, like you step up six steps and then you swing yourself over. Fine, I swing myself over. I am riding a horse, no direction. Pull to the right, pull to the left, kick it, yell at it, it'll go, it's fine. And you'll get on the trail with the guide and the guy will take you. We start walking, this animal is moving, my son, who's never seen a horse in his life, is riding a horse, he's in front of me, I'm behind him, there's people behind us who only speak Spanish, which is great, I'm like, we got ourselves on an amazing tour, the guy just takes off into the woods, and I'm like, yeah, like, let's go, okay, we're, we're off, we're having fun, there's rocks, the guy's telling us, lean forward, lean back, tilt to the right, tilt to the left, I'm trying to follow, and I'm thinking to myself, like, just think of a Maimar Chazal. Think of a Maimar Chazal. Just think of a Maimar Chazal. And the only thing that could come to my mind is Sheva Yipol Tzadik Vikam. <laughs> and I'm like, 
Now, now's the time, Shefa, you put Saturday for come. You joking? Like, this is what I need. I'm going to fall off the horse seven times and get up. So the, the guy takes us. We walk a half hour. And it was only about 28 minutes into this half hour <laughs> fiasco, as I call it. But fun fiasco. That, like, I finally started to, like, enjoy myself. And, like, things finally started to settle. I wasn't nervous that my horse was going to throw me off or have a panic attack. And my eight-year-old, like, turns around at one point and he's like, Daddy, I'm having such a great day. This is amazing. This is so much fun. And, like, everything's, like, finally settling. And I see this ranch that we come back along the tour. And we get off the horse. And we get into the car. And I was thinking to myself, let me just analyze my emotions for the last hour. The first 58 minutes, I was really nervous. The first half, I was really nervous about walking this horse. The second half, I was really nervous about being on a horse. My 8-year-old son sitting on a humongous animal. And I enjoyed myself. I had fun. My daughter, who was so nervous, she had a blast. My 3-year-old was in heaven. We really had a good time. So why was it that I was so nervous for 58 minutes? And the answer is, I believe, such a fundamental answer that you find in so many people's lives. And it really goes back all the way to the time of Chazal. We find in the Torah so many times, in the Midbar, and they're talking after they leave Mitzrayim about going back to Mitzrayim. And like, the, the the final blow comes when the Miraglim, they turn to the people and they say, let's not go into Eretz Yisrael. Not a good idea. And everyone's like, really? Not a good idea? But isn't that like part of the plan? And they're like, yeah, no, let's not go in. And Chazal tell us very famously that the reason the Miraglim said that was because they were concerned about losing their position as the Nisim. Now that sounds like a very funny thing to, to say. Because we're talking about very big people, people who were going to become Nisim or who were Nisim. Yet their concern is, let's not go into Eretzel because I'm going to lose my job. What, in the desert? That's not the point. The point is not to be in the desert. The point is to be in Eretzel. And you find so many times they're complaining, oh, remember how we had it in, in Egypt? It was so great over there. We were able to eat. Yeah, you're able to eat while they were baking your children in the ovens. Like, how did, how did people ever think this way? How did they verbalize these thoughts? And... This is really deeper than this, but I I just want to shed a light on one segment. And the segment is that within our lives, we have what we know. And what we know, as good or bad as it is, we become really comfortable with that feeling. And there's a security that we feel because we know this to be it. Not because it's necessarily good, but because we know it. So we feel a sense of security in that knowledge and in that feeling. If there's something that's unknown, even if it might be better than what's known, we don't know. So we feel insecure going into that new moment. We're like, it might be better, but I don't know. I've never done this. I've never experienced this. So therefore, we're just like, I don't don't know. I'm not sure if I want to do that. When I was going into a horse... A horse riding stable, whatever you want to call it, this ranch. In my brain, it's a great idea. 
but I know nothing about horses. So there's a natural insecurity, but it's going to be fun. Yeah, it might be, but I don't know about it. I don't know if the horse is going to throw somebody off or, or kick somebody or jump off a cliff. I don't know. I don't know this. This is a new thing for me. So there's a natural insecurity. It's only once you go through the whole procedure and you're like, at, at, at minute 58, that you're like, this, this was actually fun. This was actually good. This was great. This was exciting. Hey, kids, we went horseback riding today. Woo! We went horseback riding. Meanwhile, for 58 minutes, you were crying like a girl, like a baby. You know what I'm saying? Like, you didn't enjoy yourself. But you could have enjoyed yourself. I could have enjoyed myself. And my kids could have enjoyed themselves had it been known. Now, next time we go horseback riding, we will enjoy ourselves from minute one. Because now it's known. Now we know what to expect. We did it. It was exciting. It was fun. Now we know it. Kalal they exhibited that same behavior so many times in the Midbar. They turned to Moshe. They say to him, you're leading us into Eretz Loizarua. I don't know this. What we do know is Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim is great. Mitzrayim, we had food. Mitzrayim, we had fish. We had meat. We ate. We drank. Yeah, but don't you remember how bad it was? Yeah, but we know about that. Once they're settling into the Midbar, Moshe's like, okay, great. Now we're going into Eretz Yisrael. They're like, whoa, Midbar. We, we know this. We're getting to know this. Yeah, there's sand around. We got this. We got this figured out, Moshe. We're not interested in the next unknown. We don't know that. And when the Miraglim come back, they're, they're expressing not necessarily the idea that they want to be Nisim, but that they know about the concept of Nisius. We have structure. We have the Golem. We have Machnas. We have things here, Moshe. Moshe, we're getting comfortable. This is good for us. We're okay with this. Every one of us goes through our lives with the things that we know and the things that we don't know. People get angry because that's what they know. They know to be frustrated. They know when they're packing up their car, they're going to yell at somebody. Because that's what they know. That's what they've seen. That's what they've practiced. That's what they've done over and over. So when they're doing that, they know they're going to be upset. And they only know how to be upset. They don't know how to make a trip fun and exciting with music and party. They don't know that. They've never done that. They never experienced that emotion. So therefore, they just don't know what they don't know. Now you could sit with them and you could say to them, hey, don't you realize when you're going on a trip, you're ruining it for your whole family. And they're like, okay, I guess I hear you. But it's still unknown. They haven't done it. They haven't practiced it. So many people go through their lives living in the security of the uncomfortable life that they've created for themselves. That uncomfortable emotion, the way they talk to their spouse that uncomfortable way that they deal with their children, that uncomfortable social skill or lack thereof that they have. Because the other thing that you're telling them is better for themselves, it's unknown. It hasn't. They haven't gone through the motions of doing what it is that they need to do. I want to share with you something, which I'll lay it out there. I think it's, it's so important to like process this idea. For years, for years, I've been eating the things that I've been eating. You just eat regular, you know, regular stuff, regular food. And as I got a little older, started limiting a little bit here and there, cutting out dairy, whatever other things that I, you know, find don't necessarily agree with me 
And that became just, my life just became my life. A few weeks ago, I started realizing, like, I'm really feeling, like, like down, heavy. Like, I'm just not, not feeling, like, as good as I can be. I started asking people, do you have any ideas, like, what I can do? Somebody said to me, yeah, there's this amazing doctor who shall not be named. Please don't email me or call me about this doctor just because, um, whatever, various reasons. But great, amazing guy. Um, he sends, I, I would go to him and show up to him. And he starts giving me, like, a whole speech about my life. And he's like, let me tell you about foods. He gives me a whole spiel about foods. And I'm like, yeah, I know food. Food is you make a bracha, put in your mouth, like, what's the big deal? And he's like, <clears throat> no. There's rules with foods. Now, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about vitamins and minerals. I'm not talking about diets. I'm not talking about overeating. I'm not even talking about that kind of thing. I'm talking about eating foods that are good and healthy and all that. And he starts explaining to me how the body works and how proteins are digested different than carbs and you have to keep them separate. And after you eat proteins, you wait five hours or six hours. And after you eat carbs, you wait an hour. And he's giving me a whole spiel. Fruit, you eat fruit in the beginning of the day because it goes through your stomach faster. And if you eat that, then it will clean your stomach and everything will move much faster. And he's like giving me a whole thing about certain vitamins to eat. And I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Are you telling me something that I did not know before is going to make my life much better really fast? And he's like, yeah, <laughs> you didn't know this, but there's a whole world out there of information that you don't know. Now, there's a book, it's called Fit, Fit for Life, and it's an amazing book which lays out a lot of these principles about eating sugars and a whole world. I'm not going to get into it right now. And I was like, how long does this take to work? And he's like, a few days. Within a week, max, you'll see that you'll feel very different. And I can tell you, I went down on a Thursday. By Sunday afternoon, I felt like a different person. Now, you're thinking, yeah, psychological. Not psychological. My body literally, like, changed. I started having energy. Like, a few things that before this were just unknown to me. By somebody convincing me, this is better for you, try this out, you will not fail. It was like an amazing transformation. Hopefully, we could stick to this. Hopefully, everybody should be able to just learn a few principles. But it's not just about the food. It's about your life. It's about your Avedis Hashem. It's about your marriage. It's about your relationship with yourself. What we know, we think, that's it, I'm the king of my castle, because I know this to be a fact. But what we know to be a fact might be as parv as just eating a tuna fish sandwich, which is a protein and a carb. And you're like, protein and carb, who cares? They digest differently. So you feel down. But I, I eat tuna fish sandwich every day. But you might be hurting yourself. When somebody says, try something a little different than you did it yesterday... Try, like, a new love language on your spouse. Try to figure out a different way to talk to your wife. Try to relate to your children a little different than you did yesterday. Try to upgrade one thing in your life. Start learning Mishnayas. Start a new Daf Gemara. Start something different than yesterday because these are things that people who are smarter than me and you, they have told us that this will improve your life. Take that risk. Because you'll find that Gullus is all about being stagnant. 
being happy with the status quo because that's what you know and failing to recognize an unknown that is bigger than you, that is better than you, that will make your life that much better. And if you do it within a very short amount of time, you will find your life slowly changing for the better. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.